It's up, it's short, rebound Dommerkamp. Panthers have the ball, down one. They get it to Britton with 11. Gets it ahead to Hill, over midcourt with eight. Hill at the right wing with six. Drives the middle, gets into the lane, double pumper. Rolls through, two seconds. Timeout, Austin P. Eastern has the lead on a driving shot by Kyle Hill. Welcome to episode number 11 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On this week's episode, we line up the number of the podcast episode with one of the all-time greats to wear that number as we are joined by former number 11 Eastern Illinois basketball standout, Kyle Hill. Kyle is now working behind the scenes in the TV and film industry, so we discuss some top Netflix shows he has worked on along with his time as a Panther and the long professional career he had playing overseas. First, we would like to thank this week's EIU Corporate Sponsors of the Week, Myers Cough Automotive, and Coles County Sanitation and Recycling. Myers Cough Automotive is located at 920 18th Street in Charleston and provides tire and automotive repair services to keep you and your vehicle on the road. Coles County Sanitation and Recycling is a proud sponsor of EIU Athletics, providing trash and recycling services to the Coles County community since 1981. In EIU Athletics news this week, the Ohio Valley Conference has released the 2020 football schedule that will be played this spring. The schedule will include seven conference games, with the Panthers getting four home dates. See the complete schedule and get the latest on all EIU Panthers news online at eiupanthers.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. And to listen to any of our previous EIU Panthers podcasts, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We're currently available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher using EIU Panthers podcast as your search. Now for this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with former Panthers basketball star, Kyle Hill. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined today a special guest and I'll tell you, it's special why is this will be episode number 11 of the EIU Panthers podcast. And there's there's one guy I think of, and you heard him there in the background, that may be the most famous number 11 at EIU, Kyle Hill. Kyle, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I saw this one, and when you and I started chatting on on the Facebook Messenger the other day, I'm like, this is a guy I think I'm going to, if I can get him on his number 11, I said, that'll be a win-win for me. Oh, definitely. That's perfect. (laughs) Well, Kyle, I guess, first of all, we'll, we'll kind of ask how, how things are going during on the podcast today. We're going to touch on a, on a few things, your, your days playing as a Panther, your days playing some professional hoops, and then kind of what you're doing nowadays. So, first of all, I guess, just kind of, I, how are you going? How are you kind of dealing with the, the COVID right now? You're, you're down in the Atlanta area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're locked in, but we were one of the, the first, you know, state cities open, so... It's pretty much back to business here. I mean, my kids aren't in school yet. They're still doing online. So I'm, I think I'm cool with that. But uh, other than that, you know, being the kids, being home, it's been great for my training. So I've been getting a lot of kids up in the gym training for this. Now, you got you got two careers here since you got done playing basketball. You hit on one of them there, the training. As I know, you do some personal training, but you're also coaching a little bit there. I guess talk a little bit about that and – how you kind of transitioned or what made you want to transition from, from being a player to being a coach? Well, basically, you know, when I played, I, coaching wasn't one of the big things I was interested in. You know, I wanted to give back to the game. I wasn't sure what that was. Uh, it turned out to be training. 
you know, and I, I loved my training. I, you know, I started it in New Jersey uh, when we, when I lived in New Jersey for three years um, under coachup.com and uh, coach up basically is an online site and they're able to find, you know, trainers for every sport in your area. So I used that tool and became number one trainer in Jersey. Uh, once I moved to Georgia, I was still, you know, the number one trainer because of the amount of trainings I had done. And because of my reviews, I had great reviews. So coming here, it kind of, you know, kind of went on hold a little bit. Just the, the key with training is just having a facility, having a place to take the kids. And it kind of, you know, uh, hindered me for a second there, but I was able to find some facilities that, you know, let me train, let me work with the kids there. So, so that's what I've been doing so far. Um, in March, you know, I was, I was working on a couple of shows. I was working on, um, uh, uh, you know, getting uh, legacies and a couple other shows that I, I was working on before everything went, went halt, you know, for the pandemic, but you know, everything's about to start back opening up. So hopefully tomorrow I'll you know, I'll be working on Tyler Perry and beat next week with Tyler Perry. And uh, hopefully we'll be starting Stranger Things for probably the next next couple of weeks or a month. Now, you talk about that there. You kind of skipped ahead and, and, and answered oh, part of my question. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's that's what these are for. It's kind of an open conversation. You, you, you alluded to, to some of the shows you're going to be doing. And for those that don't know, Kyle is works as a grip. So he's a behind the scenes guy doing stuff on the TV shows. You never get to to see him, but you see all the stuff that he helps do. And he mentioned there, he's doing some stuff for Netflix there, Stranger Things and people that watch Netflix know that show, people that grew up in the eighties and Kyle, you're yes, a little bit younger in the eighties. I'm a little bit older than you, but they play some of the best music from the, dur during that show. I'll tell you what. Yes, they do. <laughs> they definitely do. And then you talked about um, Tyler Perry. We talked about that. Tyler Perry, of course, owns a, um, a production company down in the state of Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. And, and Kyle mentioned there that he's going to have an opportunity to possibly go, go work there. And I guess kind of, how did you get into wanting to be a, a TV grip? Is that something that you had that background here at Eastern or is that something you, you kind of picked up along the way? Well, I've, I've always, you know, speech communications, you know, and media were something that I was interested in, you know, in, in uh, at Eastern, um, wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. You know, I got I got lucky moving to Atlanta. My aunt lives here and and she's involved in the movie TV business. She's an assistant director. So uh, she she while we was here, when we first got here, she was doing a show in South Carolina called uh, North Carolina called Shots Fired. And, uh, you know, when they went out there, a lot of the union that was there, they they took away the credit. So a lot of the, the workers had moved to Savannah, to Georgia, to to you know, find more work. So they needed help. So luckily I had the opportunity to go out there, work the whole show. Once I did that, I came back and was able to join the union. And I had, you know, uh, the four, you need four, you know, references. I had four great references from the show I just worked. So it, it was a smooth transition. When I came back, I got into um, uh, Sleepy Hollow. That was one of the shows my aunt was working on. So got in on that show. Then I got in on Star and you know, it just kind of, you know, it's been rolling ever since, you know, once joining the union, you're pretty much, you know, you're able to work on any show. And once you're working with a few people, you start to network with those people. And, you know, and every show they go to, a lot of times they'll call you for help or to come to work. So it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Now you talk about that. It sounds like a, like an interesting career. And I think a lot of something, a lot of people would want to do to see the behind the scenes, but I don't think they understand the days. I mean, you as a former Division One athlete, a professional athlete, you put in hours then. 
I'm thinking you probably put in maybe even more hours, but in a different capacity now doing the, the behind the scenes stuff at a TV show. Oh yes, most definitely. The, the, these shows can go from 12 to 16 hour days, you know what I mean? And I had, uh, I had, I uh, got on full time on, as a set, set grip on uh, Cobra Kai and I got the chance to work. I just, that watched, I just watched that one. Another great show with good music. Yes. <laughs> it, it's all, I, I got to work the whole first full season, some of second and some of third. So, you know, it, that was cool for me, but uh, you know, um, it's tough. It's a lot tougher than you think. It's great. I mean, we're spoiled. Like they cook the best food for us. We get to mingle with stars, you know, we get great paychecks, but you're going to work for it. You're definitely going to work for it. But, you know, uh, the main thing is just staying focused, man. We, we try to make sure we get the cameraman, whatever he needs to do to continue to film. And once he keeps rolling, that means our day gets shorter. So that's what we try to do. Now, I'm going to ask you industry industry secret here. You probably can't tell me. I watched Cobra Kai. It ended on the end of season two. And the, the big question my wife and I had is, is, Ali going to come back in season three? You may not be able to divulge that, but but you probably know the answer one way or the other being on the set. Well, <laughs> I didn't get to work season two too often, so I'm not really sure. I worked maybe two days okay. on, that, on that season, but season one, I worked the complete season, so. Okay. Didn't know if you, you could divulge there and maybe give me a little insight that something I would know that nobody else would. <laughs> uh, uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> So now we'll, we're going to flash back to, to the, I guess we'll call them the good old days, your hoops days at Eastern here. Played yes. in the early 2000s. Kyle ended up being a, a two times a first team all OVC selection. And I talked to Mike Brad, who did the, the radio games a little bit um, earlier this afternoon. I wasn't, I've seen some highlights of you playing Kyle, but I didn't, he, he called the games and kind of getting an idea of what kind of player you were. And he said, Kyle was a guy that could do a little bit of everything. And then when you look at the stat sheet, you finished third all-time in scoring, second all-time in steals, fifth all-time in assists. How would you describe yourself as a player? Um, I, I've always prided myself on being an all-around player. Growing up in Chicago, you know, of course, my favorite player was Michael Jordan, but I loved Scottie Pippen. You know, I, I wore 33 in high school because of Grant Hill and because of Scottie Pippen. And what I loved was that, Offense, defense, rebounds, steals, he could do everything on the court. And I kind of, you know, based my game around that. And and that's what I wanted on. I wanted to do everything there was on the court. You know, I just felt like, you know, that's my love for the game, you know. And, and you know, to be a winner, you got to do everything sometime, you know. And you don't always have the players to, to be the assist guy or be the rebound guy, you know, or be the scorer. So, I, you know, I always prided myself in being – an all-around player, you know what I mean? And everywhere I went, you know, a lot of the coaches, even in Europe, they, they, you know, that's what I got back from them. And that that's what kept me playing so many years is they think they recognized I was unselfish, but I could score. You know what I'm saying? They recognized that I played D. They recognized that I would do whatever it takes to win. So now I'm gonna gonna give you a little bit of a compliment here, and this is gonna be interesting. Is, is okay. Dave Winder is the the media relations guy at, at Murray State University. Murray, of course, you guys would have had battles with them, and yes, sir. We, we talked a little bit about Ja Morant when Ja was was a freshman. Of course, everybody knows Ja oh, yeah. now. And one of the things he told me when he saw Ja play the first time, he said he's he's the first the player he reminded him of was you in terms of having the athleticism and being trying to be able to play on different 
different parts of the floor. He said he hadn't seen a guy quite as athletic in the league since you had played. So I, that, that's a wow, nice compliment awesome. for you. Definitely. Definitely. I love Jaw Morant, man. And, and he's, he's right. I see a lot of me and Ja. you know what I mean? I think, I think that the benefit for Ja right now is that there's so many uh, small guards that, that, you know, that they get their lot and it, and it comes because of Steph Curry, you know what I mean? Yeah. I basically was a similar type of player than Steph. You know, I get my shot off. I was a scorer, but I was a small guard, you know, and at the time when I got drafted, it was a pretty much of a, a big man draft, you know what I mean? So I definitely see myself a lot in Ja. I give, you know, a lot of props. I love his game. I love watching him, but I agree that, that, I mean, you know, not to pump my head up too much, but <laughs> I, I agree. I, I, I said that as well. I was like, man, I like this kid. He kind of, you know, he got the athleticism like me, can score, you know, so now we, I agree. We, now we talk about scoring and scoring is what you did. Averaged just under 20 points a game as a junior. And Eastern had a pretty good team that year, got to the tournament, I think got beat maybe in the, the semis of the, of the tournament there. Yeah, and that was kind of the foundation for the next year, which we're going to talk about. But as a junior, one of the things that I that I know um, Mike talked about, he said, you know, the offense started to click a little bit at your junior year when you guys added Matt Britton. He said you guys had some pieces, but you didn't really have a guard to get the ball to the pieces. Yes, sir. Matt was a huge addition. Like and the thing about Matt is this. He he was a hard worker. He understood the game, and he he was just going to – he didn't care who – what I loved the most, he went at everybody. It didn't matter who was out there. He wanted to challenge, and he was going to challenge you. And uh, Matt, it was a key piece for us because he ended up being like our third leading scorer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he was huge for us because he, he definitely opened the floor up for me and Henry to do what we did. So if Matt wasn't knocking those shots down or getting us the ball, you know, in key situations – you know, and, and his leadership. I say the number one thing about Matt is his leadership. He came into a team that, you know, I had been here for a few years. He came in the team and he stepped up quickly as a leader. And I respected that from the beginning. So now for you, so you guys are on that junior team. You're coming back as a senior and you're mm -hmm. kind of a known quantity. Henry ends up becoming a known quantity. We're going to talk about that chemistry here in a minute, but you're coming into the start of that year and your guy number one on anybody's scouting report. Hey, that's a guy that averages 20 a game. He can score from the outside. He can drive to the hoop. Mm -hmm. How did how did you see as you're averaging close to 24 points a game, but Henry's right behind you at 23 a game. How did you see scouting reports maybe change a little bit as both of you guys became, you know, weapon 1A and 1 and 1A? Yeah, well – I've known, you know, I've known Henry since, you know, high school. So I already knew what type of player he was. I think he got the benefit of of playing behind uh, Mark Polite and me. And, you know, he got to see, uh, you know, some film on Rick K. But he got to benefit from Jack Owens, you know, Mark Polite, did the guards that showed him the way. I mean, I followed Mark in a lot of things because through our offense, it, it was how to get open. And yeah. Mark was excellent at that. And so that was one thing, like I could get my own shot, but I, I also had to learn how to work within the offense. So I think um, knowing Henry, when he, knowing Henry from high school, I knew he was going to be a player. He busted his butt every day, he worked hard and he wanted it. So, so I kind of, it was a surprise for a lot of other people, but I knew Henry was coming, you know, I knew he was going to, going to take over. And, and 
he like he took a, took by storm because the first you know first few games you know Henry shoots that pretty much through mid mid the season Henry yeah. was the leader in scoring you know I kind of fell back and I let him score but I I felt that I had to get everybody else involved I felt that you know my scoring is key, but I also need Jan to score. I need Todd to get a bucket. I need, I need, you know, my point guard, Matt, to hit those open shots. So, you know, I kind of stepped back. When it came to the last eight to ten games of the season, that's when I turned it on. That's when I, I took the lead in scoring. I took over as the leader, and I said, you know, this is my senior year. I'm going to lead us, and I and I want I want that challenge. I want you guys on my back. But of course, I couldn't have done it by myself. I had you know great players around me, great guys. Our bench was huge, so you know it it just all came together for us. Now, for you two guys, at the end of that year, you finished second in the country in scoring, and I'd say you're right there. Except I looked it up today, you were about six points behind the guy that that was first. But I think that. But interesting in that, Henry finishes fifth in the country. And it's the only time that I've found in NCAA Division I history that two of the top five scorers in the country are on the same team. I guess what what kind of pride do you have with that? That's something you're going to have for the rest of your life. Man, I mean, I don't know. Like, we're talking about Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball here. We're talking about number one and number, like, I mean, that that, that history right there, just to say – that we're a part of that me and Henry I mean that's my brother you know Henry me and Henry like I said I've known him since high school and we've always been tight we pushed each other we we always uh support each other you know so to be in that category with someone that I'm very fond of that I looked at as my brother to be you know against Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball man I mean what else can I say that's an awesome you know that's just something awesome that I can say that like you say that, may, that, that might last for a long yep. time, you know what I mean? So just to be in that conversation is awesome, man. That That's a blessing. Like, you know, Eastern was was so much for me. You know, it, it gave me everything that I needed, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, when I came in there, I was a hard-headed little, you know, I didn't know. I, <laughs> I just knew I was a good player. I could play. I wanted everybody, you know. But I had to learn. I had to humble myself. I had to work with those seniors. I had to understand. You know, my time is coming. And it took me a while, but once I got there, you know, it was over. But I always say, like, you know, that second and fifth in the nation in college, like, ever, like, I mean, what what else can I say about that? You know, Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers. You, you know, go. to be in that category is just, I mean, I'm speechless. You'll be a trivia question at, at sports <laughs> bars probably for years to come as well. So, yeah, we'll see how many get that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be interesting. So then I looked at it, and I, and I knew Henry had scored a, a few games in the 40s. He had some games where he scored in bunches, and I knew part of that was after he gra- after he graduated, he was kind of the only part of the offense. Yeah. What was interesting for me is you only had one game with 40 or more points, and it mm. was the your the senior year, the first round of the OBC tournament, 40 points against Moorhead State. Moorhead what State, do you, yeah. What do you kind of remember about – that game is it is that game different for you because you got 40 than other games or is it was it just another game well see me and henry mindset are a little different (laughs) okay so henry is i'm a score i'm first option you know me i'm attack my first notion is to get the guy on my team that's not able to get his own basket a basket 
I need this guy down the line. I need him at the end of the games. I need his confidence up. Yeah. So my 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 approach was a little different. Uh, it, Coach Samuels will tell you, even in, in, near the end of the year, he's like, Kyle, you're the second leading scorer in the nation, but sometimes you're too unselfish. <laughs> okay, I don't know what to say, you know. Yeah. But I, I didn't take that. I, I, I thought that was a compliment. Yeah. I love being the guy that brought everybody together. They brought the team. So my mindset from Henry, a little different. Henry, I'm the guy. I'm first score. You know, I'm going to make it happen. I love his approach, but you can't have two guys like that on the team. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yep. I mean, we, we scored in bunches, but as you like you say, I'm fifth in assists. I mean, that's something I pride in myself on defense third. I mean, I prided myself on those those other things because, they, you know, that was my game, you know, and, and I didn't want to take away scoring from – I didn't want to be – you know what I'm saying? I yeah. wanted to get everybody involved, you know. And I think Henry, you know, uh, during our, that senior year, he started to believe in our team. He started to believe in these guys, making those passes, getting those guys involved. So, at near the end, his scoring went down, but his assist, him seeing the – those other guys went up and that was you know that was great so you know it's just the mindset my mindset was a little different from Henry's you know what I mean but you know I was still an assassin yep. <laughs> but now you know, I, I knew what it took so I always thought the game I always thought you know bigger than me you know what I mean so now I'm going to pick your brain on what's probably the most notable game or until actually this year you guys got Got probably maybe knocked off the, the perch a little bit by the comeback against Murray State at home know. this year. It, it, it be, once again, I probably no. probably be a one and a one A, but the you know the game I'm talking about the, yes, the comeback sir. against against too. against Austin P and the the OBC tournament. And I asked Mike about that one once again. I've seen a little bit of the footage. By the way, I sent you that that DVD in the mail. Hopefully, be yes, students get some highlights of of that. And you're going to see some of the highlights we talked about. And that is. Down 21 with about eight minutes left to go in the championship game to go to the NCAA tournament. And Mike said, like you talked about how you felt you turned it on the last mm-hmm. eight games of the season. He felt like you turned it on the last eight minutes of that game and really kind of helped will the team to the championship. And I think you earned OBC tournament MVP honors, if I'm not mistaken, because of that. Yes, sir. So kind of your thoughts on that. What do you remember from that, or is it all a blur? Oh, man. And when you start to talk about it, I still get chills, man. I mean, I still got that same feeling, you know. I mean, what else to say? Down 21 with eight minutes, you know, and I wasn't going out like that. I wasn't going out like that. And I told the team, we ain't going out like that. You know, when we beat, when we finally got over the hump against Murray State, I was happy. I told the team, be happy, but we're not done. We're not finished. You know what I mean? Like this, we didn't come to beat Murray State. We came to be champions. So the last eight minutes, thats I mean, I just saw red. I didn't, I mean, you know, my blinders was on. You know, I'm blessed I made the right plays. I made some big shots down the stretch at the same time, you know. So, I mean, I, I just, I just knew it's my senior year. You know, I was still like, I was still upset about Mark Polite and, and John Smith, those guys not 
not going to the dance. You know what I mean? So I had them in the back of my mind. Even when I came back with the trophy that day, I told them, man, this is for y'all. This is because of y'all. This is, you know, and they were like, man, you earned it, you know, and we appreciate it. But, you know, you did that, you know, and I, I appreciate that from them. But they drove me. Like, I, I always had to look outside myself. You know, I had to look to other guys that I looked up to. That I, you know, that I, I pride that, you know, I had to get their energy. I needed that. That last eight minutes was crucial. And I wasn't going out like that. Not not my senior year, not my last game. You know, I couldn't do much in Arizona, but you know what I'm saying? To, to go to the dance, you know, the second time only in Eastern, I mean, like, you know, to be again placed in history, to, to, to bring Eastern that notoriety was, I mean, it was everything for me, man. That was, I mean, you know, like I said, whenever I start, I still get that feeling within my body because, I mean, you know, those are the things you live for. You live for coming back. You live for going to the wire, to winning that big championship game to go to the dance. I mean, when we knocked that ball away at the last seconds, I I cried. Like, I, it, I could not – I cried uncontrollably, falling, fell to the floor, like, you know, it was something I put my heart into. I worked for it for so much and for it to happen. Like, there's no words. There's no words. So then we'll fast forward. And the way the OVC works is it's usually the first team to have its ticket punched. So you watch all the rest of the games. Mm-hmm. Arizona is probably not the one. I think they were in the top five in the country and maybe got beat in the Pac-12 tournament and so slid down to the, to the second seed. When you – first of all, I guess when you look at the team you guys had, and it's 20 years after the fact, so you can you can be bitter about it now, maybe not at the time. Eastern probably underseeded at a at a 15 seed, unfortunately, but then you face maybe an overseeded Arizona team that I think, if we counted correctly, had six guys that ended up either going to the league or getting drafted. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That team lost in the championship that year to Duke. Yes, sir. Um, I was in the draft with a few of those guys, Luke Walton. Richard Jefferson, Gilbert Arenas, uh, Lauren Woods. Um, I, I forgot uh, the point guard there. I forgot his name. He's on the tip of my tongue. Great point guard as well. I played against him actually in Europe. So, I mean, you know, that team was stacked. <laughs> yeah. You know, but they ended up losing to a better team. That Duke team was was pretty stacked as well. So, but I mean, you know, and then Michael Wright. I mean, Michael Wright you know, passed away, you know, rest in peace. But Michael Wright was huge. You know, I played against him in, in Europe as well in the ULIP Cup, in the Euro basket. You know, he dominated over there before he, you know, was a great player. So they had, I mean, you know, it was like, we didn't really have a chance. <laughs> you know, but but we were happy to be there. We were going to fight. We were going to play. I mean, after that game, I was proud of my team. I mean, everybody was down. Everybody wanted it for me, but you know, I told them, man, hey, we worked. We got here. We, we did what we could, man. That team is – look at that team, man. Like, you know, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm, I'm so proud of the work we put in for this year, you know. And and everybody's trying. Everybody's trying. And me, I'm strong. Like, okay, we did it. As soon as I sit down, as soon as I sit down, and Coach Selma start that speech, it was over for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just knowing it's my last game, it's the last time I get to hear coach speak, like, 
it just killed me, you know, and I just died, you know. But, but I mean, I was still proud. I was still happy. I mean, in my eyes, we overachieved. You know what I'm saying? Like we weren't, we weren't even supposed to be there. You know, Austin P, Murray State, they always had them over us. Yep. You know what I mean? Every year. So it was just, it was, you know. It was it was great feeling, you know, just to be there. It hurt, of course. It was, you know, it was yeah. sad. It was, you know, but I was so happy. I was so proud. Like, you know, my head didn't hang down. I wouldn't let my team do the same. Like, we did something here. We accomplished something. Like, we're we're in the books. Like, that's something to be proud of. So, okay. And you you, you glanced over this a couple times when we talked about pro basketball. We're gonna get into your very long, successful career playing overseas in Europe. But you go down right now, we'll talk about another note in the history books at Eastern. You're the last EIU basketball player to be selected in the NBA draft. And not that there's been a lot of them out of EIU, more known, you know, for some of the success right. guys have had getting drafted in the NFL and yeah. you know, Major League Baseball. Didn't go on and play in the NBA. You were a second-round draft pick. And for people that maybe don't understand the way the NBA draft works is – the first round guys get guaranteed contracts. Whether you ever suit up and play, you get paid for a couple of years. My understanding is the second round guys, hey, we got to pick, we got to select somebody. And if they're good enough, great. If not, that doesn't happen. How does, I guess, take us back to what it was like to maybe get drafted. And then what was your thought process to decide to not maybe, and maybe you tried to, to get into the NBA, didn't work out. Or I think I read that you just decided that, you had a better offer to make some money overseas, kind of through that, yeah. through that thought process. Well, so a lot of people don't, it's kind of a catch 22, you know, at, during the time of the draft, I was in Argo, you know, my high school, I was playing with guys, you know, on the, on the playground, you know, and I went home and I invited so many people to my, I had like 50 people in my house for the, for the draft, you know? And so throughout the draft, I had my AAU coach there, Daryl Royster. He, he has his hands in, a lot of the NBA he knows guys. So, you know, while going through the draft, he was he was updating me on what's going on and what happens after this pick and what's guy, you know. So once we start going through mid through the draft, he was like, you know, right now it's, it's big man draft. They're going for big guards, you know, mid end of the first round is the opportunity for you to break in. And so, um, you know, sitting there hoping and, and praying for that, you know, didn't work out that way, you know, and through it all, we watching the second, the second, um, the second round and we see Trent Hassel get drafted and they show him dunking on Henry and Henry's in the house like, oh man, come on, you know, so, you know, we're sitting there and it, it goes to commercial and everybody's just talking and then all of a sudden it comes back and my face is on the screen <laughs> and, you know, it, I, I froze. I just didn't know what to do. I, I was smiling, laughing and crying at the same time. And everybody in my house was just going crazy, just going bananas. I mean, that's the part about being drafted that I that I say is like a catch 22. That feeling, you'll never get that back. Like that feeling that me being drafted was huge for me actually going overseas and playing on, you know, big time teams in Europe. So um, after I got drafted, you know, that same night, you know, Donnie Nelson called me and, you know, I'm like, oh, Don Nelson on the phone, <laughs> you know. So I got to talk to them and they were happy. And, you know, being in the second round is not guaranteed. And so if you get the opportunity to get picked up by a team that actually needs you, then you can sign a contract to be with that team. If not, 
you're pretty much in the win. So basically what happened with me, I'm basically, I was looked at as one of the top guys available at the time. So they drafted me. But if you think about it, they had Howard, Steve Nash. They had a nice guard and they wasn't going nowhere, you know, without yeah. Steve Nash. So I don't, I think kind of, and you know, at the time, my agent was, had Steve Nash as well. So I kind of felt like it was like a, you know, conflict of interest for me to be there anyway. But what happened was I ended up working out, uh, doing the summer league with Dallas, uh, didn't play much, didn't get much time, you know, and, and the thing, what I found out, um, later was that, um, um, LA wanted to pick me up after the draft and they ended up picking up a guy from Chicago. Um, uh, my guy from Inglewood, um, I forgot the guard, but they ended up picking him up in place of me, which I was proud of because, you know, me and the guy, we worked out, we're from Chicago. So I was proud of that. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't tripping because I, I got drafted, you know, but at the, at the end of the summer league, they ended up trading my right. So I was in a trade with New York, with Dallas and Houston, with Glenn Rice, Howard Isley and me. So I think Glenn Rice ended up going to New York and I think, Howard Isley went to Dallas and I went to Houston or something like that. And uh, so I, I got my rights retraded. So I ended up, um, I ended up, you know, my agent was telling me, man, just go straight overseas. We got a good situation in France. You're playing your league. You're playing against the top competition. Go and prove yourself and come back. And so that's what I did the, the, for the next two, three years. I would go play summer league over Houston the next few years. And like my, the second year before, uh, I want to say this is my second year with or my second year with Houston. So the third year of playing summer league, I, I mean, I played excellent. Like I, you know, even at the time they, they got, you know, uh, Van Gundy was the new coach. Uh, Yao Ming was there. Then they got T-Mac that same year. So and when they traded me to Houston before that, Steve Francis, Lucci Norris, Catino Mobley, guard heavy. So I knew I, going overseas was key for me. Um, and coming back, you know, I would just work out. Not, I mean, I showed myself, you know, I was injured uh, most of it. I got, I had, you know, my knees roll up and I didn't play the last two games and I killed and Van Gunning's like, man, I, I wish we could have had you the whole summer league. You know what I mean? And I was like, me too, you know, and it was like, goodbye. You know, yeah. so I went and worked out with Phoenix, you know, and Joe Johnson, uh, Stottlemyre, they had uh, Casey Jacobson, you know, uh, Marbury. You know, so, you know, my agent was like, what do you think about working? I'm like, I'm winning. Let's do it. You know, and when I got the call, they were like, you know, we're going to bring in eight guys. Out of the eight guys, five are going to the camp. I was like, oh, NBA camp, I'm with that. I like them odds. When I got there, it was a whole another situation. They were bringing guys in and out. They were, you know, sending guys home. And really none of the guys got any opportunities. We were just there to work out their players. So after that, I kind of got stuck. And I'm like, you know what, I'm. I'm living my dream. I'm making good money. You know, I'm just, you know, I tried. It didn't work out. And I probably should have, I probably should have uh, kept going because a couple of my buddies from overseas ended up getting opportunities. But, you know, I was, I was content with where I was at. You know, I was making good money. I was playing top level. So, you know, it, it, it's tough being in the second round because it's not guaranteed. You may have opportunity. You may not. But, you know, had I not been drafted, you know, and I would have been picked up by the Lakers. I wouldn't have been too upset, let me yeah. tell you. You know what I'm saying? So, but, yeah, a lot of people don't understand that situation. That's a great question, man. It's just – it's not guaranteed, you know. And, you know, that that was a heavy draft. I mean, we're talking about 
Jefferson, uh, Richard Jefferson, uh, 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 um, what's my guy for San Antonio? Oh, Tony Parker, uh, you know, Tyson Chandler, uh, Luke Walton, uh, Gilbert Arenas. Uh, I mean, you know, the draft was a t- even Gilbert Arenas, uh, all you know, they were both uh, in the second round with me, so you know, it was a it was a it was a big man draft. And had it been a guard draft, been a different situation, but being in the second round, definitely not guaranteed. Now, for you, uh, able to 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 benefit from that, you kind of made some choices and it looked like they worked out pretty well for you. I think you played around 12 years overseas, looked at, from what I saw, France, Greece, Italy, and Spain, just to name some of the, the more notable countries. And I know there's a lot of other countries that, that have yeah. teams that you may or may not have had, had, a, had a crack at. What yeah, was that- your, what was maybe the most, the most interesting of the, the teams you played for or countries you played in? And what do you maybe miss most about, playing overseas right now um well i mean every year was awesome man my first year you know i played on asvel in lyon france the second biggest city in france and that was just you know just being in europe we had got the opportunity the year before uh senior you know trip to you know we played in croatia slovenia and italy you know so i got a little taste of it but Playing there and, you know, being in France, that was, I mean, the experience was awesome. I got to win the championship there. Then the next year, I went to the rival that we beat in the championship. And those guys had Mikhail Pietris uh, and Boris Diaw, who ended up going in the draft that year. So I got to work out and play with those guys. Got to meet DJ Armstrong, a couple scouts, you know, from, from the NBA because they were looking at those guys, you know. So, I mean... You know, my, my I, play, I got to play in Spain with Marc Gasol. I got to play. That was a great team. We ended up winning uh, the Spanish League the next year. I was on the team the next year, but they ended up winning the Spanish League. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I would have to say my total experience was awesome, man. You know, I, I can't pinpoint a, you know, a particular. I got the chance to be in all the major countries, got to go to all the major cities. You know, my, my passport was stamped to death i had to get a brand new passport first they added pages then they gave me a new one then that one got stamped to death so i mean i it's just being on season getting the opportunity man in the 12 years was blessing man i got to see beautiful cities man and you know croatia was a beautiful city you know i was i was walking distance from the ocean you know from the wall you know so i had a beach right there you know i ain't know nothing about that you know so that was great for me alicante spain was I compare it to Miami all the time. Palm trees, the port. I mean, it's just beautiful. The city's right there. I mean, it, it was one of my favorite cities. I think uh, my favorite, uh, the as far as playing, um, as far as money, as far as competition, was definitely Spain. Okay. And now, for people that don't know, I mean, what is what is what is a basketball crowd? there I mean I think they see people some of these players you, you mentioned a couple of them a second ago mm-hmm. that are guys now playing in the NBA that, that were European bred born and bred players what is what are the crowds like there are they into it they not into it do they kind of know who you are I mean you know I'm, I'm guessing as a you know a, a taller you know an American or a foreign you probably stand out a little bit in some of these countries they they know you're playing hoops there but I, in terms of what is what is a, a game environment like? Well, that depends on what's where you at. In Greece, you better be ready for the right gear, the bombs, all type of 
fireworks and okay. sparklers, <laughs> and it may be a fight after the game. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> In Spain, I mean, Spain is is a basketball, uh, you know, country. I mean, they're you know, Europe is more into you know football, which is soccer. Yep. You know what I mean? But there are cities like Italy and Spain were great for for basketball. Croatia. Croatia is uh, probably one of the top basketball places. I mean, they say basketball started there, which no, I really did. Maybe in Europe, but some of the great players came from Croatia. And I, I mean, I, I love playing there. And I'm talking about in the game, into the game, crazy crowds, you know, fireworks thrown on the floor and, and the drums and, you know, sparklers. In the, I mean, you know, Spain and Italy and France are a little more calm. You know, they come in and they're clapping, they're into it, but they're not like crazy fans like Greece and Croatia. Huh? They 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 live and eat basketball and it's a real rivalry. So mm-hmm. I, I would say, you know, it's it's you know that the crowd thing is big, you know, you you are recognizable by, you know, people in the city because you know you're on TV, you're in the newspaper, you know, they, they introduce you, you know, and just being in places, you know, of course, you're recognizable. You're taller than a lot of people. And then they, they see your face like, oh, Kylie Hill. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it, it's a little different. It's not the NBA, but it's definitely, you know, it, the atmosphere is awesome. You know, I wouldn't, I, I would love to go, man, playing in Europe, making money. And just being in Europe was a was an awesome experience. And I think the best thing, if I had to take anything from it, was the fact that my family and my friends were able to come okay. and witness it with me. I mean, you know, in my contract, I had uh, flight tickets for my family. So I didn't even have to, I just let them know, you know, my mom's coming, my dad's coming, you know, get the ticket. And, you know, they, they got the opportunity to come for free. My, my cousins, my uncles, you know, who ain't really been to Europe, like, they got the, you know, my brother-in-law, they got the opportunity to to see Europe and explore Europe. And, you know, that for me, that was the biggest thing that, that for me was that I took from it was I was able to to give that to my family and friends. Just a couple more questions here with the Kyle. Once again, we enjoy you. Appreciate you joining us here on the EIU Panthers podcast. Once again, this will be episode number 11 for number 11, Kyle Hill. So appreciate him taking some time. Most interesting thing you ever ate when you were living in Europe? <laughs> Most interesting thing I've ate. Uh, I kind of stayed away from the interesting thing, okay. but, you know, the big prongs, you know, the big old prongs. I mean, being in Italy, we used to go to, um, um, you know, to the coast of Italy, and, you know, they got the good cheese and the good prongs and the good, you know, shrimp, you know, a lot of times we got we got the benefit from that because our sponsors or you know our our um are the heads of the team would would you know if we play well they would you know uh, you treat us to some some good food. I think um, the most interesting thing I tried was like carpaccio. Okay. I think it's called carpaccio, and it's basically like raw meat <laughs> and an egg. And you just <laughs> an egg in the middle, and you just throw it together, and then you just eat it. Okay. And I, I'm not sure if it's raw, but it looked raw to me. It looked like raw. <laughs> it didn't taste. It tasted pretty good. I didn't finish it, but I was like, okay, that's you know, I just wanted to try it. But yeah, it's a lot of interesting things I kind of stayed away from. <laughs> and then you were able to have the benefit. You talked about passport stamped all over Europe. Was there yeah. a a city that? 
you had as a, a place you wanted to go that you just never able to make it make it to that hey one of these days maybe when my kids are growing up I want to go back there and visit as a tourist not as a basketball player um I mean, I loved every city. I, I wouldn't want to go back to everyone. Spain, Italy, I mean, France. My kids got the opportunity to go back uh, just recently with my aunt. But, um, you know, I, I, all of them, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got great experiences, uh, you know, great opportunities. I, I got friends in most of those countries, you know, long time, forever friends. Um, I would say I, if there was one that would be at the top of the list, I would say Alicante. Okay. Alicante was amazing and I was there for two straight years so that was that was one of my favorite cities and and you know I, I you know I wasn't far from from uh, Barcelona so I would drive to Barcelona 40 minute drive you know so I would say Alicante for sure okay. Alicante Spain and then my last one for you is you played for coach Samuels Rick Samuels long time coach here Hall of Fame inductee like yourself um a favorite memory, favorite story about about Coach Samuels from your from your four years here playing for the Panthers. For sure, it has to be my freshman year. <laughs> it has to be the game he finally put me in when it was you know the game was still a chance to win or lose you know and it was the um, who were we playing um, ah wasn't Moorhead State it was. I don't remember it. Tennessee Martin, Tennessee Martin, Tennessee Martin at home. And I came in the game and, and scored 20 points in 20 minutes. And everybody was on coach like, what's going on? And, you know, so coach had to, some answering to do. <laughs> but he was just, you know, he, he, he told the truth. He was like, you know, Kyle went through some, some freshman ups and downs. He was kind of in the doghouse and, you know, we already knew – I love the interview because he said we already knew what, what Kyle was going to do, what he was going to be. It was just, you know, Kyle had to understand some things. He had to humble himself. And, you know, that I always say, you know, the, my freshman year was my best year. I may have scored 60 points that year, but it was the year that I realized that I had to humble myself. The year that, that I realized that I still had some work to do. It was the year – that I realized that, you know, my, you know, the seniors, you know, they, they, they been here for, they deserve that time. So it was a lot that I learned that year that benefited me for the next two, you know, for the rest of my career, even though scoring 60 points that year took me out of contention of being the all-time leading scorer, I wouldn't change that year for anything. And, and I think coach Samuels having to, <laughs> you know, having to, to stand up to the, to those questions and answer those questions. I mean, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that, you know. So that was my breakout. That 20 points in 20 minutes was the breakout for me. So I, I, I'll never forget that day. But, you know, just Coach Samuels being there, Coach Church, you know, Weimer, you know, uh, uh, Coach Kaysen, Coach uh, – Man, all, all those coaches were very beneficial for me, you know what I'm saying? And Matt Painter, you know, uh, Troy Collier. Troy was very beneficial for that that Austin P game in the championship. He he put in perspective uh, uh, what we needed to do to come back in that game, and it made us, you know, come together and come back. So, uh, you know, 
all those guys had a hand in everything we did, had a hand in the way I developed, had a hand in the way, you know, I was able to, you know, improve and, and, and go to the next level. And so I, I always give them much props. And Coach Church will always be, you know, my guy forever. You know, that was me and Church went to war freshman year. <laughs> but we after that year, man, we had so much respect and love for each other, man. You know, I oh those those, you know, you can't get that back, but you know, I was being a butthole, you know what I mean? And church wasn't having it. And, you know, I love him for it because he, he wouldn't give up on me either. You know, even though I was basically trying to give up on myself, he wouldn't give up on me. He pushed me and he drove me. So, I mean, those guys, Coach Sam was always, his family, I mean, his wife, I mean, his daughters, they were like family to us. You know, they took us into, he took us into their home and he gave us, you know, he gave us, thanksgiving he gave us uh you know love he gave us you know attention when we our families wasn't there so you know he, shout out to all the eiu family you know the sponsors the boosters you know everybody within the organization shout out to you rich thank you for you know giving me you know some of those memories back because like i said i don't all of, a lot of those memories are gone, you know what I mean? I don't have that film. I don't have – and then transferring it over for me. So, yep. you know, I, I really appreciate that, man. You know, anytime you guys want to talk, you want to put me on a podcast, you want to questions, man, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready, available. You know, I want to I wanna be more involved with Eastern as well, you know what I mean? I still have some things, you know, let the finish there. And, and as well, I, I want to be a motivation for, you know, the next years of guys coming in, so. You know, that Eastern is always have a huge part of my heart, you know, so. Well, I appreciate you taking time, Kyle. I know you're busy right now and uh, from his home down or I guess he's actually sitting in the car. That's what people don't understand. As I film these on the on the Zoom and I joke with Kyle, he if I put a picture up of Kyle when he played here and Kyle now, you would not believe that they are, they are the same pe- person. He has yeah. definitely got the, uh, the, the COVID, the COVID beer and the COVID haircut going now for him so but, yes sir <laughs> but, but always great to catch up with you kyle and, and hopefully we'll be able to have Anytime. you back on campus here in the near future once again thank you and we've been listening to the eiu panther podcast with kyle hill former eiu basketball legend yes sir go panthers <laughs>